So I'm actually going to give you a pre-sermon, a pre-sermon, a sermon before the actual sermon. We've got a lot to cover, so buckle up. (laughs) Since the first Sunday in June, we've covered chapters 1 through 11 of the book of Romans. And Romans can be broken down into two major categories, chapters 1 through 11 and chapters 12 through 16. Chapters 1 through 11 is about theology or what we believe. This is the first half of the gospel. Chapters 12 through 16 are about application, or what are we going to do about it? This is the second half of the gospel. The first half of the gospel is receiving God's mercy. The second half of the gospel is what are we going to do about it? If Romans chapter 1 through 11 could be described in just one verse, I think it would be, John 3.16, for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. And make no mistake, this is amazing news. But J.D. Walt, he says that the problem with John 3.16 is that for the last hundred years or so, John 3.16 has been presented as as the finish line instead of the starting line. So if John 3.16 were to be the starting line, what verse might the finish line represent? Well, I think that if you could sum up chapters 12 through 16 into one verse, it would be the bookend to John 3.16, and that is, drumroll, 1 John 3.16. And that says, we know what real love is, because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. 1 John 3.16 gives us the agenda for chapters 12 through 16 of Romans. Now I want to share a couple of fancy seminary words with you right now. They're called justification and sanctification. Chapters 1 through 11 are about justification, and chapters 12 through 16 are about sanctification. And the reason I'm telling you about these words right now is so that the video you're about to watch will make more sense to you. Now, the the definition of justification is this. It's a legal declaration from God that you are innocent of sin, and we can't earn it. It's a free gift, and we've learned all of that by reading chapters 1 through 11 of the book of Romans. It's available to everyone. This is the first half of the gospel. Now, sanctification is how God transforms a person, making them fit for a holy purpose. This is the second half of the gospel. Now, the video video that you're about to watch is by J.D. Walt, and he is the author of our devotionals for the whole summer. He formed Seedbed through Asbury Theological Seminary. That's a seminary where that revival broke out last spring. And I believe that God's hand is upon Seedbed and Asbury Seminary, and I believe that God is blessing their efforts. And the video that you're about to watch is why Asbury and JD started Seedbed in the first place. In 2011, George Barna conducted a research project that he claims is one of the most challenging projects he ever undertook. Over the period of six years, his organization 
made telephone contacts with 15,000 people. And they were asking them questions about their spiritual life, their Christian faith formation and development. They were trying to ascertain where are people in North America in their walk with God, so to speak. The results were astonishing. Barna found from his research that people tend to find themselves at one or another of what he calls the 10 transformational stops. Number one, unaware of sin. Number two, indifferent to sin. Number three, worried about sin. Number four, forgiven from sin. Number five, forgiven and active in the church, in the activities of the church. Number six, holy discontent. Number seven, broken by God. Number eight, surrender and submission. Number nine, profound love for God. And number 10, profound love for people. It gets really interesting when you see where the population of Americans fall across the spectrum. 1%, 16%, It's not surprising to see most of the action centering around numbers three through five. You're a sinner, you need a savior. Pray this prayer and you're forgiven. Now get involved in the church. What's fascinating though, is the way the spectrum begins to break down after the first half. From number six, holy discontent, through number 10, profound love of God and people, nine and 10 only 11% of the population fall within that range. On the other side, one through five, we see 89% of the American population according to this research. It seems clear that we're going halfway, but not the other half. You see, John Wesley said the people uh, called Methodists were raised up for this second half. In fact, he used the language, he said that this gospel, this truth of sanctification, of holiness, is the grand depositum which God has seemingly raised up the Methodist people to proclaim. And from this research, it looks as though we have not proclaimed it very well. So Seedbed earnestly desires to see the bars get raised on the right-hand side of the chart. So where would you place yourself? Are you in the 89% or the 11%? Because Cornerstone, like Seedbed, 
we want to raise the bar significantly. And I promise, as we press into our rhythms of up, in, and out, a watching community will take note. Today, we're going to look at chapter 12. Today, we're going to turn our attention to the implications of the truth that we've learned in Romans 1 through 11. Romans 12 is where Paul says, in light of what God has done, here is how we should live. Okay, pre-sermon over. <laughs> Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for the gift of today. Thank you for loving us. Jesus, we turn to you in faith, seeking your presence. We turn to you in gratitude, remembering your goodness. And Lord Jesus, we turn to you in gladness, rejoicing in your love. Amen. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. This verse is one of the most important in all of the Bible. It contains more key theological terms and truths for its size than perhaps any other verse in Scripture. There's only one stopping point today, and that stopping point is love. Paul opens chapter 12 by letting us know that our response to God's mercies in Romans 1 through 11 is love. A holy love. A holy love that comes from a place of gratitude. This, he says, is truly the way to worship him. And I think King and Country's song, The Proof of Your Love, does a really good job of conveying that sentiment. So let So, how do we learn to be a living sacrifice? How do we let our lives be the proof of his love? Well, for starters, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. And then, you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. In just the first two verses of Romans, in a manner of speaking, Paul is describing what the Holy Spirit does in our lives. Oswald Chambers says it like this, We have the idea that we can dedicate our gifts to God. However, you cannot dedicate what is not yours. There's only actually one thing that you can dedicate to God, and that is the right to yourself. And he goes on to say, If you will give God the right to yourself, he will make a holy experiment out of you, and his experiments always succeed. Let me say that again. If you will give God the right to yourself, he will make a holy experiment out of you, and his experiments always succeed. How about you? Are you letting Jesus make a holy experiment out of you? 
Let's keep reading. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you're better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given you. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So, if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. You see, someone who wants to be a living sacrifice will discover his or her place in the body of Christ and then seek to build it up. If you've decided, if you have decided to allow God to make a holy experiment out of you, then you need to be involved in the life of the church. Being involved in the life of the church means exploring all of the rhythms of up, in, and out. Now, the list I'm going to give you is very limited, but I want to highlight just a few of the ones that I've personally experienced. First of all, up, right? Our bodies are living sacrifices when we have our uptime, whether it's in your own prayer closet or here in worship. And participating in corporate worship is important, but equally important is the rhythm of in, pressing into community, like our mountain takers group. They meet Wednesday afternoons. There are many other groups that gather throughout the week, gathering to study the word, gathering to challenge one another, gathering to grow in their walk with Jesus. There's a group meeting of some kind every single day of the week. Come and ask us. We'll find a place for you, I promise. Another way to press into community is to roll up your sleeves and serve. We need folks to help us minister to our church family and to new visitors. Our nursery ministry is just one example. Fall's coming, and we need volunteers for a monthly rotation. Guess what? We're here. We're here to love and serve our kids. Get your phones out right now. Text the word nursery to 605-777-7230. Okay, let's keep reading. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them and always be eager to practice hospitality. One of my primary responsibilities as pastor at Cornerstone is to cultivate out opportunities. And practicing hospitality, you guys, meeting people in need, that is the heartbeat of our out rhythm. An out is simply this. It's showing the love of Jesus to others. Here are just a few of the summer ones that I witnessed with my own eyes. You know, our church members are encouraged to work their networks and neighborhoods. And Victoria Smith walked by Tracy Schaefer's house for several days in a row. She noticed him laboring 
to move this massive pile of rocks from his front driveway to the back of his yard. And after seeing this for several days, Victoria stopped and visited with Tracy to ask him if he needed some help. And it turns out he most definitely needed some help. So she took action. And a team of us brought several wheelbarrows and moved that pile in a few hours. And we did it in the name of Jesus. Tracy felt blessed, and we felt blessed too. In addition to working our networks in neighborhoods, we encourage our church family to get plugged into the church itself. Even if you haven't signed up for VBS, you can still have your children invite someone, invite a friend, a little kid friend, right, to attend an epic night of entertainment on August 10th from 7 to 8. It's an amazing and it's an easy way to share the gospel. You see, an out can be as simple as an invitation to an event that shares faith through fun. Or how about this? How about being a living sacrifice through Cornerstone's food pantry? Last week, Luke said that we served 93 families in our food pantry. Well, guess what? This week, Cornerstone fed 97 families instead of 93. That's right. In a matter of three hours, 97 families came to our church, came into the building, and received food. But they received a lot more than food. The food pantry team, they treat every visitor as a valued guest. Every visitor with coffee and a cookie and thanks for coming. We're grateful you're here. The food pantry, make no mistake, it's a major out. Another way to find an out opportunity is to join a missional community. For example, the missional community hosted by Terry and Karina Little, they minister the last Wednesday of every month at Westside Laundry. Starting at 6 p.m., they show up with a big mountain of quarters and they pay for everyone's laundry while serving refreshments. And they are there as a rhythm to get to know people, to build relationships with people. So join a missional community. Each one has its own unique out focus. But Cornerstone also encourages folks to be creative. Form a group and find your own out. I'd like you to meet the Billiers family. From left to right, that is, Valerie, uh, that is Ilona and Dominica and Valerie and Benjamin. Valerie used to work in manufacturing and construction. And Ilona used to work in house cleaning and commercial cleaning. And their entire life savings was wrapped up when they were able to purchase their apartment. It's kind of like a condo here. You can actually have an apartment building. And in Mariupol, they bought their apartment and owned it. But they lost absolutely everything when their building was hit by a bomb. They escaped, to foot on Pol they escaped by foot uh, to Poland, and they now live in a refugee camp in France. Their only assets are in their suitcases. Ilona and Valerie, they want to come to the U.S. They love their country, but they want a future for their kids. They don't want to be a burden. They want to work. They're talented people. They want to be independent, and they want a future for their kids. And I'm so proud that several families in this church have banded together, and a week from Saturday, a Cornerstone van will be picking them up at the Minneapolis airport. And your generous offerings, the 
that you give on Sunday is what gave us the ability to pay for their airline tickets. Finally, Cornerstone provides everyone in the church an opportunity to minister during what we call an all-church out. It's, it's big enough where nobody has an excuse not to participate because it's everything from can you pray to can you roll up your sleeves. Everyone has an opportunity to participate no matter what level of life you're at or what skill level you're at. Everybody can participate. That's why I call it an all-church out. And our church recently helped Royal Family Kids with a camp at Joy Ranch. It was an all-church out. And when we hosted a sign-up table leading up to camp, Joyce Anderson was one of the first to sign up. Approximately two weeks before, Joyce Anderson knew anything about Royal Family Kids or the camp. She had written in her journal the following words, As for spiritually, Lord, I'm ready to tackle something. My message from God was, listen. Kind of reminds me of Romans 12 too. Huh? Then you'll know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. But to do that, we've got to listen. And when we hosted that sign-up table, Joyce felt the urge to sign up to help at the camp. She felt that maybe an evening of flying kites with the kids might be fun. Well, God had something different in mind. Her plea to God resulted in a flurry of steps preparing Joyce to become the camp's psychologist. Every family kids camp has to have an on-staff psychologist. And it turns out the camp, we're struggling to find one for that week. She writes, All the children at camp were victims of neglect, abuse, and abandonment. And while conversing with the children, I often heard, My mom gave me away. My parents didn't want me. I was taken away. The children all had scars. Some had visible scars, but all had unseen scars, brokenness, times of feeling unwanted and unloved. And these scars presented themselves as fear, anger, confusion, and an inability to trust. And my role as camp psychologist was to support the children and the volunteers when behaviors and emotions became challenging. Each day was filled with a variety of planned activities and the leadership of Royal Family Kids Camp was very appreciative of the role that Cornerstone played. Watch this video of how the kids were received at the first day of camp. Of course, we can't show you the celebration as each kid came off the bus and they were holding that kid's, you know, the counselor was holding her kid's sign and running to their counselor. And every time a kid got off the bus, it was that same set of cheers. And there was a guy sitting on the back of the bus. And he was working with the kids with woodworking all week. And I asked him, I said, what, uh, what keeps you coming back? I mean, how long have you been doing this? You've been doing it like nine years. And he said, you know, when that bus pulled in, he said, I was on the back of the bus. 
And he said, as we pulled into Joy Ranch, you know what the kids did? They started chanting, we're home, we're home. And he started tearing up and he said, you know, it's sad that they think it's home and it's beautiful that they think it's home. That this is a place for them that is so safe and so beautiful that they think it feels like home. The theme of the camp this year was called Safari. We had Bramble Park Zoo come out with animals. Ford Motor Company donated Jeeps for safari rides, and the children participated in Jungle Fear Factor and big game hunting. The second day was called Fun on the Farm. We hosted a first-class tea party, you know, with white gloves and rings and necklaces. The kids got to dress up fancy, and they sampled fine food, and we taught them about manners. And then that afternoon, they got to fly really big kites and build terrariums and take a jar home with that terrarium. The third day was called Enter the Swamp. The fishermen, Tracy, and Paulson families donated their beachfronts at Lake Compesca for fun on the water. We rented Princess of the Point and Disciples from Cornerstone ferried kids back and forth to the boat where they enjoyed snacks on the boat and were able to use the big water slide. The Embrace Dentistry team, two of them drove down from Rapid City. They came and their management team served food and they hosted all of the power sports that day. And disciples from the Millbank Assembly of God Church brought a three foot by 12 foot long gas griddle so that we could serve and cook, uh, cook for 130 people and serve it in 30 minutes. Joyce said, watching the children play, and smile and laugh without inhibition was a gift in itself. Now the last day of camp is called, it's everybody's birthday. You see, many of these kids have never flown a kite. There wasn't a kid that I flew a kite with that had ever flown one. None of them have, some of them haven't been swimming. Some of them have never been fishing. In fact, many of these kids have never had a birthday party. Some of them have never opened a present in their life. And so that day is a day filled with fun and water slides and cotton candy and snow cones. And it's a day where every kid gets a cake, their own cake with their own name on it, and every kid gets to open a present. I want you to meet Chloe and Pam. Chloe's 17 now, and she was a counselor at camp, and so was Pam. But when Chloe was just a little girl, Pam was Chloe's counselor at her first Royal Family Kids Camp. You see, when Chloe was born, her mom and dad didn't want her. So her grandma and grandpa took her in. Unfortunately, grandma and grandpa were both addicted to meth. So Chloe had not only been fending for herself, but she'd also been fending for her little sister and taking care of her grandparents who weren't even in a position to take care of themselves anymore. And she was removed from the home when she was five. As I said earlier, at her first Royal Family Kids Camp, Chloe, Chloe's counselor was Pam. And on that first day of camp, Pam asked Chloe, what's the best thing that's happened to you so far this summer? Her response was, the best thing? My grandparents' rights got removed. And Pam remembers how she had terrible night terrors 
you know, rubbing her back until she fell asleep. Chloe said that Royal Family Kids Camp is where she learned for the first time that God loved her. More than that, Royal Family Kids was where she learned for the first time that other people loved her too. And so I asked Chloe, I sat down with her, I said, I got to talk to you. I want to get to know you. And I asked Chloe, so why are you back now as a volunteer? Um, I think from what I remember being as a camper, I always looked forward to coming to camp every summer. And I want to be part of that reason for other kids because I know it's like, it's a big thing. And I kind of want to be a part of giving back what I was given. It's amazing. Ron Pepper took the entire week off. There's so many people. I know I'm forgetting people. But he took the whole week off. Took a week of vacation. Working behind the scenes. This was him at the, at the water day. And he was out there. If, if, if a kid got, uh, uh, the wind took a kid away on a kayak or a beach ball was there, he was out kind of patrolling the waters, making sure everybody was safe. But he was there at every event, behind the scenes, making sure things worked smoothly. So yeah, from Joyce... Anderson, to Ron Pepper, to each of the 50 people, the 50 families that prayed every day for a child and their counselor. Yeah, from Jeep drivers and kite flyers to snow cone makers, each of them were living sacrifices. This is truly the way to worship him. Living the up, in, and out rhythm is living into the second half of the gospel. Living the up, in, and out rhythm is allowing God to make a holy experiment out of you. Okay, let's finish this chapter. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think you know it all. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God, for the scriptures say, I will take revenge, I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. This section of scripture for me is hard. It's hard to conquer evil by doing good when the world says, don't get mad, get even plus a little. How do we never take revenge when the world says, the best defense is a good offense? I'll tell you how. Listen. By the power of the Holy Spirit living in you, do not conform. Do not conform to the behaviors or the patterns of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good.
Joyce finished her letter to the church by saying, Some have thanked me for my involvement in the camp, and I feel uncomfortable with that, for I feel that I gained more than I gave. Yeah, there were trials and there were tears, and I was extremely tired by Friday. But the smiles and the laughter of the children brought feeling of joy and the confirmation that I was listening to and obeying my Lord. I just love that. You guys, I watched Joyce literally write my sermon. She prayed. She sought the Lord. She asked for his will to be done. And she did what that video portrayed, and that is not conforming to this world. And then she went to a camp, surrendered to God's will, and conquered evil by doing good, all the while being a living and holy sacrifice that he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. And that's what we're all trying to do. This is what love is. Today, the stopping point begins and ends with one thing. Love. Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, your word reminds us not to conform to the patterns of this world. May we be transformed from the inside out, becoming more like you in our thoughts, in our words, in our actions. Fill our minds with your truth, love, and compassion so that we may reflect your character to the world around us. Jesus, we need you. We need you to help us make choices that honor you to make choices that bring glory to your name. We need you to give us the courage to be different, to shine light in the darkness, and to be a source of hope and light to others. Lord, help us. We need you to help us be ambassadors of your kingdom, rooted in truth, and guided by your Holy Spirit. In all these things I pray. Amen.